0: All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. Like we said on yesterday's program, we are looking at the state of theology. This is a survey that uh, Legionar Ministries puts out every 2 years. You can find it at thestateoftheology.com. Of course, you can take this survey yourself. I asked Jonathan yesterday, Ryan, how, how did you do on the survey? <laughs>
1: I don't know.
2: I Were did you too not scared take to take it? I did not take it.
0: <laughs> You're too no. intimidated by the 33 statements. <laughs> I didn't, one, one does didn't not want to be arrogant
2: and say they did okay, did that well. That's just but, telling I the mean, truth. <laughs> but it's just the tr- it is the truth. I mean, yeah. actually, you know, as trained... Individuals, we ought to be doing well on yes. this. I mentioned yesterday that our um, that one of the problems is that we we've not really made disciples out of uh, you know when it comes to understanding the doctrine of God. It's it's confirming, and I kind of botched what I was saying the other day. But the sociologist by the name of Christian Smith. I mentioned a number of years ago that American Christianity is is making moralistic, therapeutic deists, not disciples. Mm. The religion of many Christians in the U.S. is moralistic. God wants me to be a good person. Um, it's therapeutic. God wants me to be happy. Uh, it's deistic. God is out there watching from above, uh, but mostly disconnected with my everyday life. You know, they don't have a confessional, uh, biblical understanding of who god is who his son is who the holy spirit is they don't have categories for theology yeah
0: that's
3: good i don't want to overstate this but i i do think that the major trend of the church of today especially in the west is that we don't we don't care about truth (laughs) we care about feelings and behavior yeah and so feelings (laughs) there was a day in which confessions mattered yes and truth mattered, and yes. catechizing training mattered. Yeah, but now we don't go to to God's word to find out who God is and who we are. We go to God's word to tell us a little blip to say, "Well, oh, this is encouraging, and this is what I should do." Yeah. So we skip right to application. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we don't really try to wrestle with what is this passage telling us about who God is, the truth and the reality of that, and what is this passage telling us about the reality of who I am um, in relation to the God that has been revealed. Yeah. And those questions just aren't being asked, I don't think, mm. as people approach God's word. People are approaching God's word and saying, I need my fix for today. Give me an encouraging word. Help me to know how I should behave. Give me a refrigerator verse. Give yeah. me something I can leave with. Yeah. And that is actually not the main purpose of God's word. Yeah, the God's word is to reveal to us who God is. Yeah, That's mm-hmm. the, the primary purpose. And I think the state of theology reveals that people, I mean, this is probably too strong, I don't know how else to say it, but are, are kind of reading their Bible wrong. Yeah, They're approaching the Bible wrong, you know, however I, you want to say it. So, so the, Reformed theology, uh, it's often summarized with three C's, uh,
0: Calvinistic, covenant... Um, covenantal and confessional um, and if you kind of use that um, those three c's and then use the analogy of the human body uh, the calvinistic side is like your muscular system it gives you strength because god is sovereign the covenantal part is the skeletal system it, everything hangs on the covenants and the confessional part is like the immune system of the body like these are truths we're gonna get into these statements here in a second these are truths that confessional churches confess all the time and they have been for the historical church, for the last two thousand years, it it's what keeps Christians and churches healthy
1: mm-hmm.
0: because we're we're confessing the Orthodox Christian faith.
2: Well, and it's not like the these things, these confessional statements are ta- are are divorced from the Bible. They they're summary statements of the Bible, right? And uh, you know, in fact, there are confessional statements within God's Word. You know, uh, Deuteronomy six four, "Hear, O Israel: The Lord your God, the Lord is one." Uh, talking about a monotheism yeah. there. You know, that's a confessional statement. It was a confessional statement then. It's a confessional statement today. Yeah. And so we need to recognize that throughout the Bible, uh, there are these confessional truths, But there, but there's, you know, in clear statements, but there are also summaries of things that we learn about God as we go through God's Word that become confessional, propositional statements as well. That's right. Well, let's get to some of these statements statement number seven says
0: jesus was a great teacher but he was not god (coughs) jesus was a great teacher but he was not god 27 percent of evangelicals agree a quarter of all evangelicals agree with that statement so is is it okay so me ask a basic question can it be true that jesus is a good teacher
2: if he was not god well you know this this is the uh, trilemma that uh, c.s lewis put forth you know he's either a, a lord liar or lunatic and uh, you, you know he, you can't he won't give you this great teacher aspect you know he's either the lord who he said he was or or he's a liar on that point right because he actually claimed to be god right right, Bef- right. before yeah. abraham was i am
1: yeah mm-hmm.
0: And his audience knew what he was saying because they picked because up they stones picked stone. to stone him That's <laughs> right. so good teachers don't make false claims he was either a, a god and a good teacher but he can't be just a, a good teacher without being god
1: even when he was you know sentenced to the cross before the jewish authorities it was or condemned before them it, you know they brought forward false witness after false witness trying to make something stick that they could put him to death but nothing was holding and it was Jesus Himself who made the the proclamation that you will see one like the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven, and that's a reference to the prophecy of Daniel. And immediately the Sanhedrin knew exactly what he was saying—that mm-hmm. he was claiming divinity—and they tore his robes, their robes, and condemned him uh, on the to basis death. of the, who he said he was. Right on his testimony of himself.
3: Right. The the Gospel of Matthew. It's, Chapter 4 begins with the teaching ministry of Jesus, and it, it kind of the, the, in, the bracket to that is in chapter 16, where Jesus is asking his disciples, who, who do people say that I am? And they talk about Elijah and Jeremiah, you know, mm-hmm. other prophets, and then he said, but, but who do you say I am? And Peter's answer is that you are the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the sent one, the Son of the living God. And Jesus' response to that is not, oh, yes, you're right, I'm the Messiah, but I'm not God. He says, no, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because this wasn't something that came from within you. This was revealed to you by God. Yeah, He's saying, but don't tell anybody. But you're right. I am the Christ. I am the Son of the living God. Yeah. And Son of the living God is, is really just saying, I'm God himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, if Jesus is a great teacher, at that point, he would have corrected his pupil and said, oh, you're mostly right. Yeah. But he doesn't. He says, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah.
0: Well, when when Jesus rose from the dead, uh, Thomas said, I won't believe unless I you know, put my fingers in the holes. Jesus shows up. Thomas confesses, my Lord, and he worships him. That would have been blasphemous for Jesus to accept worship from Thomas unless he was unless he was actually God. So again, he couldn't have been a good teacher only if he accepts mm-hmm. worship of of a man. Um, so, I mean, the evidence for Jesus being God is legion in Scripture. Mm-hmm. It's it's
3: I think you can find it in every single New Testament book. But I think if you really look at the response and get underneath of it, the reason why people will say he's a great teacher, but he's not God, is because then they can treat the the teaching of Jesus like they treat any other teaching in life, accepting the parts that they want and and ignoring what they don't. Mm -hmm. But once you move to the level of saying, no, Jesus Christ is Lord, he is God, then there is no debate that all of the demands of Jesus must be obeyed, or otherwise you're in defiance of God himself. Yeah, I don't think Mm -hmm. this is an intellectual issue. It's a submission issue. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. It's a submission and moral issue. It's not an issue of
0: people just being dumb Mm -hmm. okay um so this this is one of the reasons why it's important to study church history isn't this um teaching that jesus was a great teacher but not god isn't this an ancient heresy that the early church has already dealt with
2: just about every error that we can think of with regard to you know heresy comes from a misunderstanding of who god is who who the son is you know you go back um you could go back either either to the Nicene Creed or the Chalcedon Creed where in, in Nicaea, we mentioned the other day that Arius was teaching there was a time when the sun was not, you know, that, uh, you know, the response to that was, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. There is a, there is a the response is, no, uh, what is, you know, Christ has always been, you know, God, and he wasn't a created being. In fact, uh, Chalcedon got really clear and said but those who say once he was not and before he was begotten he was not and that he was made out of nothing or say that the son of god is a different hypostasis or essence or mutable or changeable these the catholic and apostolic church anathematizes they you know you know they to be anathema is to say be cursed yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah.
3: Mm -hmm. this is real quick this is not necessarily on this topic or this question itself but i would just encourage especially parents out there take advantage of moments in the calendar we as a family always pause our normal devotional schedule during the month of october to actually um read things that are church history related um, with our kids because I think it's so important that that they get in touch with what great theologians of the past have already wrestled with and taught and established. And so connect your kids to the, the history that they're a part of. Um, this is part of the whole communion of saints. And so we would always right. pause during the month of October and read books about these theologians from the past and that led to some of these statements from the past so that our kids could understand there isn't anything new under the sun, that people have already dealt with these errant teachings and have come back to the Bible and established what is true. And that they're in a long line of godly men and women that know what the, the Bible says and that they don't have to be blown around by the winds of, of today mm. and the teaching of today and say, no, I am actually in line with this trajectory of the Word of God, and I'm, I'm not going to be sucked in by the modern movement, any type of modern um, error, and and feel guilty like I'm the odd man out, then they can say, no, I'm actually in. The long line of, of history and mm-hmm. I'm okay
2: well talking about uh, doing that with your own family you can do that very early in their life in fact at the Reformation conference you had uh, made sure that we had a book there the ABCs of church history I think it was by Stephen Nichols and and so I, as you're teaching your children their ABCs you're you're also teaching them about church history the very subjects that you're talking about
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alright Ryan, why don't you close us? You got about thirty seconds. Okay. So um, if uh, Jesus was only a great teacher and not God, what does that mean for the gospel?
1: Uh, it means that we it's non existent. We're still in our sins. You know, if Jesus is not divine, if he's not God, his sacrifice would not be sufficient for all of his people. Yeah. And we would be lost in our sins. Maybe if he was just a good man. Maybe it could cover the sins of one man, yeah. But to cover the sins of all of his people from the beginning of time to the end, he had to be divine. Yeah, there's no other way.
0: That's why these confessions are so great too. The, both the Heidelberg and, and the Westminster ask, why did God have to, or why did Jesus have to be truly God, and why did Jesus have to be truly man? And so important. We would obviously commend those to you over and over and over again. This has been the Gospel for Life. We're so glad that you joined us today. We will see you next time.